Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Nothing Impossible. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome in, Michael and Travis with you talking local innovation on the voice of St. Louis. And talking some out-of-town innovation, too. Did you see the news this week? I, uh, yeah, we, were talk- we talked about it actually uh, on Friday, the, uh, the Amazon deal to buy Whole Foods. Yeah, that's, I don't know, it was kind of a shock at first when it first crossed the wire. Amazon, which we know as being virtual and not an actual place you can go to, and being dirt cheap, buying Whole Foods Market, the brick-and-mortar grocery store on the corner that some, a lot of people call Whole Paycheck. Yeah, that's uh, quite the dichotomy, right? You have uh, things that are cheap and things that are incredibly expensive. But I'm wondering if Amazon's trying to really establish this local, uh, you know, network so they can have people do food delivery and grocery and that kind of thing. Well, they have been experimenting with. They opened a bookstore in Seattle. They they opened the grocery store with the sensors and the new technology where you don't have to put your stuff in a bag and go to the checkout and have it all scanned and then swipe your card. And no, when you take the thing off the shelf, it knows that you've taken, you know, the box of juice off the shelf and you put it in your bag and you walk out of the store. It knows what you have in your bag and it charges you immediately. New technology like that is what they've been testing out, not online like we traditionally have known Amazon, but in actual physical stores. Well, and Amazon you know, has a history of not being profitable. Like they, you know, they, they, they earn a lot of money, but not a lot of profits. Just when they get to be profitable, it seems like they come up with some new harebrained scheme that's that going to cost them a lot, a lot of, money. of money on and, and eventually will be profitable. But hey, we don't need to make money for the next five years while we implement this. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out uh, as it goes through. Uh, well, I'd be I, able to get my whole foods. Not that I shop at Whole Foods often or at all, really. But will I be able to get it delivered with a drone? That's what Amazon's working on, right? They had a 60 Minutes piece that'll about in, That'll improve margins, delivery. yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, it, was a, it was a cool story. Like, when that broke on Friday morning, I thought, all right, Amazon hasn't historically been buying a lot of things. Uh, they don't. Sp- that's fourteen billion dollars. It's a lot of money to spend. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they, and they build a lot of their own stuff, like the Alexa voice control and stuff like right. that. They didn't partner with a Google. They just built it themselves. So, yeah, and another wrinkle to this is the fact that Amazon not only just opened two new warehouses in Edwardsville in the Metro East, but they are looking at warehouse space in St. Louis County, which would require them to, first off, charge sales tax in Missouri, <laughs> Yep, which is new. But also, why would they need four warehouses in the St. Louis region? Are they opening maybe some brick and mortar here? Are they going to do drone delivery? Are they going to do the same-day grocery delivery in St. Louis? Like, what's what's ahead for us when it comes to the new Amazon features? Well, my guess is uh, Jeff Bezos is a fan of our show, and he hears about all these great things that are happening happening in St. Louis, and he's like, we got to make sure we have a good presence there. Uh, Michael and Travis know what's up. St. Louis is an innovation town, right? It is. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Amazon. Should be interesting. Speaking, I wanna... uh, speaking, actually, speaking of the town, uh, 
downtown St. Louis Inc. last weekend or last week had yep. their uh, big event downtown. And Missy Kelly, the, the president and CEO of that organization, said, we need a strong downtown or the suburbs are going to st- suffer. Yeah, she well, people say I'm from St. Louis when they go out of town is the point that so many leaders often make. And this actually comes the same week. Um, her statement comes the same week as the mayor and the county executive, Steve Stangerman, Lyda Cruson, coming together to say for the next year we're going to study a potential, some sort of reorganization of our government here. This is so many people have dreaded the word merger, and that's not necessarily what this is. It's the next year is we're going to f- study and figure out what is the best thing to do. And can we have more of a regional approach? So, yeah, yeah there's a, I, there's all this regionalism going on right now. Yeah, and there are uh, there are different, you know, I think it was Nashville that didn't do one big giant government over everybody and everything, but took over Things like policing and taxes and then local municipalities still around allowed to stick around. Just one of the options. But what's interesting is that leading up this effort to put together the study is Suzanne Sitherwood, who's the head, the CEO of Spire, which we know locally is Laclede Gas. Big presence downtown. Big new headquarters downtown. And speaking of big buildings downtown, there's one that might be vacant soon. It is. It's going to be, uh, I think, less than a month or so. It still has the AT&T signage on the very top, though. So if you're at the Arch or on an airplane or at Bush Stadium or really anywhere around downtown, you look at the AT&T Tower and you see the logos on top, but that will not be the case much longer. 1.4 million square feet. Empty. That's a lot of empty square footage. That is. And the thing is, AT&T has... Two other buildings on either side of this huge tower and a third building uh, in downtown West and then more buildings in De Pere. And so they say what's interesting, I think, is that so many people are telecommuting that they just didn't need the space. Now, unfortunately, this is I mean, this was built to be Southwestern Bell's world headquarters in the 80s. And so it's one of the tallest, I, I believe, the second tallest building downtown behind Met Square, the biggest building downtown square footage wise uh, going to be empty. And so uh, maybe we can get a nice big tech company to move in there. That would be, that would have to be a pretty big, big tech, tech company. <laughs> I guess the question is whether they can um, divide it up so that multiple tenants can go in there, or if this is a building that it's just got to be one big company, the way it's laid out. I mean, this will probably take uh, downtown occupancy to about 25%. We were talking before we started the show. That's, that's a big chunk to, to be vacant. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what happens to those AT&T employees? Are they staying downtown? What happens to the tower from now? Uh, and what's going on uh, just generally? We're going to talk with AT&T President John Sondag. And coming up next, we're going to talk with an executive from Express Scripts. They have some new initiatives. That, you know, so many people get their prescription drugs through Express Scripts. And we've got the opioid crisis that we're dealing with across the country and right here in St. Louis. And we'll talk about that. And much more with Express Scripts up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Mornings and afternoons, KMOX has news at the top and bottom of the hour. Traffic and weather every 10 minutes. And sports at 15 and 45. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And now, back to Nothing Impossible. Once again, your hosts, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan on KMOX. All right, welcome back in, Michael and Travis, with you. And let's talk with a hometown St. Louis company that's tackling a problem that we certainly have recognized here in the St. Louis region over the last several years. And now, Travis, it's getting a lot of attention nationally as well. And we're talking about the opioid crisis. 
Well, this is a show about innovation, and, and serious problems need innovative solutions, and Express Scripts is starting to tackle that. Express Scripts, a health giant based right here in the St. Louis area, St. Louis County. And joining us on Nothing Impossible is Mark Binney, the Vice President of New Solutions at Express Scripts. Thank you for calling in, Mark. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Michael and Travis. And so first off, just reintroduce us. I mean, St. Louisans know that this company is based in St. Louis, but they might not know the extent of the operations here or the extent of the history. I mean, we talk about startups so much on the program, and Express Scripts is a St. Louis startup story, just maybe from a few decades ago. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Express Scripts was a startup in St. Louis in 1986, um, and as, as you know, as many of your listeners probably know, we've grown quite a bit over the past 30 years. Um, it's been a great story. Uh, but one thing that I think is interesting is that we've really never lost our startup mentality. We still have a mindset that um, we need to continue to not just push the envelope from an innovation standpoint, but really, quite frankly, change the envelope uh, when it comes to driving new solutions that ultimately help our patients, um, you know, their health, uh, but also the the financial health and the well-being of our plan sponsors that we serve. Now, as we as we get into some of the innovative things that are going on, let's let's talk about this opi- opioid ec- epidemic. Uh, what are some things that Express Scripts is doing to try to tackle that, not just here locally for the region, but really on a, a nationwide scale? Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, this is an epidemic. This is a crisis that um, that really has a lot of focus um, from Express Scripts um, as well as the industry as a whole. Um, so patients, you know, that are prescribed medications like opioids oftentimes really don't know the dangers of these medications, how to use them appropriately, how to store them uh, safely within their homes, and how to dispose of them when they don't have a need to use them anymore. And so what Express Scripts has done is we've really combined um, actionable data through predictive analytics to identify patients who are at high risk of um, becoming um, dependent on an opioid in combination with our specialized care model. Uh, we practice pharmacy very different than any pharmacy benefit manager or, or any retail pharmacy for that matter. We look at our pharmacy practice in, um, by a condition level. And so, for example, in the opioid space, we have a neuroscience therapeutic resource center that has pharmacists that specialize in pain, the medications to treat pain, as well as depression and other neurological um, challenges that patients face. And so within the opioid space, what we've done is we've combined data to identify patients that might be at high risk and our specialized care folks, clinicians, who work directly with those patients to try to decrease the supply that those patients have, especially if they're really not, um, you know, if they're really not in need of having the medication on hand anymore. And what we've seen is pretty interesting. And so through the combination of specialized care and actionable data um, for our plan sponsors, we've seen about a 19% decrease in the day's supply of opioid uh, use for patients that are, are taking these, these powerful medications. Yeah, when it comes to the heroin epidemic, we've heard a lot more about uh, the, how it begins with uh, an opioid prescription sometimes and then over-reliance on those drugs, which then eventually leads to the use of, of heroin. And a lot of the focus has been on the over-prescription of these drugs. And so what's Express Scripts found when it comes to whether these drugs maybe have been over-prescribed by some doctors and, and uh, how, to, how to track and how to, how to make sure that these drugs are being used only for what they're absolutely necessary for. And you even just mentioned maybe even finding a way to avoid using them. 
Yeah, actually, absolutely. I mean, our job is to make the use of drugs safer and more affordable for our for our plans and for our patients. Um, and so, when it comes to patients that are taking these medications, I think the first step for us is just to educate them on you know how to use the medications and again how to store them and how to dispose of them uh, when they don't need them anymore. Um, you know, if, if there's a case where we have a patient that. Um, we think that a call to their doctor is, is warranted um, to, to work directly with their doctor and to collaborate with their doctor to, to help that particular patient. We certainly do that. Um, and we've seen a, a lot of success in helping patients um, maintain their health, um, you know, but also to keep them out of danger. And, you know, I sometimes look at Express Scripts as a, as a big data company, right, because you have so much data available to you. And you, you mentioned the data that are available uh, as it relates to opioid prescriptions. How, how, are you, how is Express Scripts using data to try to tackle this challenge? Yeah, I mean, so the cool thing about um, pharmacy data is it's all real time. You know, so you can't leave the pharmacy without paying for your, your medication one way or another. And so... You know, because we're able to see this data within milliseconds, it becomes very actionable to us, and we can identify very quickly, um, you know, whether or not a patient has is taking a medication. Um, we can understand other medications that the patient's taking um, in addition to that medications prescribed. And so using that data allows us to, to pull together and connect dots that other, you know, healthcare providers cannot do. Um, and so in the case of the opioid uh, epidemic, we're able to see, again, in real time when, when patients are prescribed these medications for the first time. And that's when I think education is the most important thing. Um, you know, certainly patients are prescribed these medications um, by their physicians uh, because they need them, right? So we, it's not that, that there's necessarily over-prescribing all the time. That's, not, that's certainly not our position. But we want to make sure that if a patient is prescribed a medication, they understand how to use it, and they're not combining it with other medications that might put them in harm's way. We're talking and we, and with because Mark- we have the data, we can see that information uh, kind of across the board. We're talking with Mark Binney, who's Vice President of News Solutions at Express Scripts. And one thing uh, that's been taking hold, I believe, in 49 of 50 states would be the prescription drug monitoring programs. What's the value that you've seen in those when it comes to this problem? Yeah, so, I mean, again, it's a tag team effort between, you know, our, the, the government um, and, and the private sector to make sure that we're watching the medications as they're being prescribed. Um, again, Express Scripts, like I mentioned before, because we get the data, and whether we fill it at our home delivery pharmacy or we fill it, it's being filled at a retail pharmacy, we can see that data in real time. Um, I think one of the things that excites us most about the solution that we've put together, again, is the combination of data um, in collaboration with our specialized care model. Um, the thing you know, that I mentioned before is our, our neuroscience therapeutic resource center, specialist pharmacists are able to monitor these patients remotely and work with them proactively to ensure that, that they're staying safe, especially when they're outside of their physician's office. And Mark, when it comes to those um, prescription drug monitoring programs. The 50th state that does not have one is Missouri. 49 other states do, but Missouri does not. St. Louis County, though, which you're headquartered, your home county, uh, has started one that many other counties in the state of Missouri have signed on to. Um, is that something that you would think that you, you believe would be valuable for the state of Missouri to take a second look at, given that all of the other states have done this already? 
Yeah, you know, I think that's a little beyond my scope of my role. Um, you know, I think we have a government affairs team that is constantly working with the states um, to ensure that we're putting in meaningful legislation and that we're advocating for our patients and our plan sponsors. Um, what I can tell you, though, again, is that the solutions that we work on directly with our clients, and our clients are employer groups, their health plans, are meant to drive better outcomes for our patients um, and better outcomes for, for the plan that's paying for the patient's care. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're talking to Mark Binney, Vice President of New Solutions at Express Scripts. We're going to take a break and uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about what some of those new solutions are and what we can expect, not only as Express Scripts is a wonderful company, but uh, a great community partner. So we'll be back on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. K-M-O-X stands for news. Nothing Impossible, our weekly show about innovation right here on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan, and we're talking with Express Scripts, one of our, I believe, our biggest, the new, actually, Mark, you might be able to help us out with this, uh, the new Fortune 500 list is out, and I forget where Express Scripts ranked, but it was really up there. It was near 22 the now, is it, Mark? Fortune 22. That's right. So yeah. up a few spots. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool story when you think about the startup uh, that was in you know, 1986, a startup that was born and raised here in, in the St. Louis area and, and has been able to grow at, a, at a, a rate to get us to a Fortune 22. And, you know, what's sometimes lost in that is just how many employees Express Scripts have that has that live in the St. Louis area. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to meet someone that doesn't have some sort of a, a link to Express Scripts <laughs> at this point in time. If you live and and work around the St. Louis area, well, what are some of these new solutions uh, that you see coming out of Express Scripts? Things that you're most excited about? I, so the things that excite me personally is, and it's an exciting time to be in the industry is is that is the technology that's starting to emerge and evolve. And so an example of that, diabetes, you know, patients who are living with diabetes uh, oftentimes have a very complex way to, uh, it's a very complex condition to try to manage on a day-to-day basis. And diabetes from the plan sponsor standpoint is the most costly condition on the traditional side of, of our medications that um, they're dealing with. And so it's, it's a pain point that's worth solving. And so if you're a patient who's living with diabetes, you're oftentimes asked by your physician to test your blood sugar on a regular basis to make sure that you're, that you're maintaining a, a, you know, a good check on, on your health. And so over time, the glucometers, these glucose meters that are in the market have become smarter. And by smarter, I mean they're starting to use um, cellular-enabled technology to enable remote monitoring. And so an example of that would be a patient who is using a connected glucose meter and who maybe tests their blood sugar and it's really, really low. And so a really low blood sugar puts a patient at risk of becoming incoherent or disoriented. Um, and so they're, they're in, a, uh, in a stage that really could use some help. Um, the way that our programs have worked with this technology is within three minutes of that test, if we see a patient who's in harm's way with a really low blood sugar in this case, a phone call will be made by a certified diabetes educator within three minutes. And that patient then, the first thing we want to do is make sure the patient is safe where they're at. Then we'd like to get them back to a steady state. So maybe they need four ounces of juice, for instance, to to get back to a a healthy and a, a safer blood sugar level. But then we educate them in the moment. And I think that's the thing that excites us so much because education in the moment helps patients avoid, you know, downstream uh, issues because they're starting to learn, well, what was I eating or what was I doing in this moment where my blood sugar took a drop and they can avoid it in the future. Without the high technology that, that we're seeing in the market, 
this stuff is not possible. And so that's what excites us. Well, talking about connected companies, now my mind is just wandering. Uh, I check my glucose. It's low. I need some juice immediately. None in my fridge. Uh, Amazon does same-day delivery within hours and gets that glucose to me uh, altogether. We are living in this hyper-connected world these days. Yeah, it is hyper-connected. Um, and so, you know, I think it, we're obviously always scouring the market for collaboration with, you know, early-stage companies or even established companies to create a better, better member experience. You know, again, you ask me what excites me. It excites me when I go down to the Cortex or to the Innovation District and I get to meet some of the early-stage companies and entrepreneurs that are developing the next generation of solutions. And, and so, you know, from that standpoint, we're constantly trying to kind of keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on down there. We mentor a lot of these companies. We meet with them. We, we try to find ways to pilot their solutions with our clients um, because, it, you know, we want to see the community grow. And, and I think that, you know, that is one thing personally is, you know, born and raised myself here in St. Louis excites me a lot. Well, that's, we have one example uh, that I can name off the top of my head, and that's uh, Abby Cohen and the team from Sparrow Labs, WashU uh, students and graduates, uh, with their wing device to help people that are uh, struggling with asthma. Uh, they've worked with Express Scripts on some pilots, correct? Yeah, we've done um, so. We've done some preliminary research with Abby and some and some data analysis. I think, you know, Abby's a great example of an entrepreneur that has developed a device that meets a need in the market. And so I, it's funny because I was just sifting through my own Facebook page the other day, and sure enough, I saw Ab, you know, the Sparrow Labs um, spirometer. Uh, or peak flow meter, you know, pop up on my own on my own Facebook feed, and I found that very, very cool um, because it goes to show you that um, it's more than just creating a business plan. In, in these cases, these folks are building solutions that are tangible and that are starting to to enter the market, and that's a very exciting thing for our our city. Yeah, that's something that uh, has been pointed out about St. Louis is that the large companies, I mean, I was at the, uh, I helped uh, do the first CEO to CEO event with George Paz, the former CEO of Express Scripts and Abby from Sparrow Labs, the biggest CEO in town and one of the smallest startups in town working together and, and cooperating and not being treated as either a oh, roll the eyes, just a little startup around the corner or a possible competitor, but some real cooperation and collaboration. Absolutely. I mean, for us, I use this analogy. It's a one plus one equals three equation, meaning Express Scripts, you're a large Fortune 22 company. We bring a lot to the table. But there are things that there are startups, you know, there are things that we are just not going to create as fast as some of the startups are creating. And so we are, we've designed our solutions and our infrastructure to be able to work with startups so that they can plug their solution into our platform and we can create something that neither of our companies would have created on our own in the near term. And that becomes a really powerful way to innovate um, because, you know, we're, we're building solutions that, that change people's lives, change the trajectory of their health. Uh, but it also, you know, it's differentiated. It's completely differentiated. These are solutions that you will not see anywhere else. Well, and speaking of partnerships with the community, uh, next Thursday, I believe it's the 22nd of the, of the month, uh, you are, Express Scripts is partnering with Venture Cafe for a next event down in the Cortex District. It's the second year that Express Scripts has partnered there. Uh, talk a little bit about what that partnership looks like and uh, why, it, again, why is it so important for the analogy I think of is, you know, we used to have Thanksgiving tables that where the kids had to sit at one table and the adults at the other table, and we missed out on a lot of really good conversations. Like, these kids know what's going on. Uh, this, con- this combination of the adults and the kids at the same table, the established and the startups at the same table, why is it so important to support things like Venture Cafe and do events down in the Cortex District? Well, I mean, the, the buzz that, that Travis and the team have created down at Venture Cafe is like none other. 
um, you know, quite frankly, we we want this is something that we have sought out because um, there are a lot of talented individual, talented companies down in that space that we want to get exposure to. Uh, they're right here in our backyard. We'd like to get kind of a first look at a lot of these early stage health tech companies, healthcare companies, so that we can gauge whether or not um, we could create something unique with them. If I'm on the other side, if I'm if I'm an early stage company, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I'm taking advantage of this opportunity because I'm going to get a chance to network with executives, you know, of a Fortune 22 company, and at at the very least, if I get nothing else out of it, I'm getting a chance to learn, I'm getting a chance to network, um, and I'm getting a chance to to gain exposure to something that I might not have exposure to, and so it's a great event. Um, it's a, it's it's packed to the to the roof uh, when you walk in there. I think um, Travis might correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we were able to set the record for attendance of any venture cafe event last year, and we're looking forward to breaking that record this year. I I actually think it might get broken this year. Uh, yeah. The buzz around this has been great, and it, what I also appreciate about Express Scripts coming down and partnering there is uh, a number of Express Scripts employees come down to get connected and engaged. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, and, and this is not just a one, I mean, while this one night is the focus for us uh, during this particular conversation, a lot of our employees spend a lot of time down in the in the Cortex area um, in general. And we've got office space down there where we have developers and designers and our mobile app and our digital assets that are that are punching out new code and releasing new versions of, of our different digital experiences on a consistent basis. And they're sitting right down there in the middle of the Cortex uh, district and and they're and they're working side by side with a lot of these startups and so for us um, you know w- w- we're very vested in this um, we're constantly looking for talent you know even if you're a technologist you're someone that writes code you're someone that designs these experiences and you just want to come down to meet people we'll have our talent acquisition team there as well and we're recruiting a ton of new designers and developers, and we have opportunities. So, you know, again, you don't have to have a startup. You don't have to have a company to join us down at the Venture Cafe next Thursday. You really just have to have a thung- uh, hunger and and a thirst um, to maybe try something new or or to um, to change the world. Quite frankly. And uh, Mark, uh, Express Scripts is kind of unique in the fact that your world headquarters is on the campus of a state university. And uh, I was just reading about how some computer science students at UMSL, a part of their classwork and part of their work has been uh, working on some solutions for Express Scripts. And I don't think we've necessarily heard that much about the fact that your headquarters is on a college campus. What is that like? Yeah, so we are essentially on the um, University of Missouri-St. Louis campus. Um, And it's not uncommon for us to collaborate with UMSL and with the students and with a number of the professors to do research projects, um, to do internships, and those types of things. Um, we're certainly not limited to UMSL. We work with many of the universities here and around the St. Louis area, and you know, Wash U in particular. Um, we've done a lot of cool things in, in regard to um, you know, outcomes analysis or and in driving new insights um, and even piloting some early-stage solutions. Well, make sure uh, everybody heads on down to Venture Cafe next Thursday, June 22nd, for the uh, the second time that Express Scripts has done the Next at 4240 event. Uh, should be a lot of buzz. And, uh, Mark, we're looking forward to you guys setting a new record, not just with getting a crowd down there, but getting a really good community down there. Absolutely. Let's let's go. Let's try to pack the house. Um, it'll be an exciting event. It always is. Um, every Thursday down there is exciting. Um, but, you know, this one in particular, we're very much <laughs> looking forward to. And I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys today. Well, thank you for taking the time. Mark Binney, Vice President of New Solutions 
at St. Louis County Based Express Scripts. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible. Local innovation talk up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Depend on KMOX when news breaks. News on the hour, 24 hours a day, with bulletins at any time. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. And now, back to Nothing Impossible. Once again, your hosts, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan on KMOX. And let's talk about downtown right now with AT&T Missouri President John Sondag. You've no doubt heard the stories over the last a couple or maybe even a few years about what's happening with one AT&T Center, the large tower in downtown that was built as the Southwestern Bell headquarters in the 1980s. It's going to be vacant in just a few months. Uh, and let's find out what's going on with uh, not just the tower, but AT&T has other buildings in downtown and in the St. Louis region. John, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Michael, it's my pleasure. And so as uh, we, we'll talk about the tower itself in just a moment, but the building on, on actually the buildings on either side of the tower, you are staying in and you're actually making a big investment in. That's right. We own both of the buildings at 801 Chestnut and at 1010 Pine, which is the original Southwestern Bell headquarters building. Uh, both of those are critical buildings and infrastructure for us. We, at 801 Chestnut, we have a corporate data center. Uh, it's one of our largest ones in, in the company. It's where all of our comp- employee paychecks are processed and sent out. Uh, and at 1010 Pine, uh, you know, four floors of that building is a central office that serves all of downtown. So those are two buildings that we own uh, and are critical for us. And uh, our lease at uh, 909 Chestnut uh, expires at the end of September. It was a 10-year lease. Uh, and so we have made the decision several years ago to move to all of our employees that are downtown to move them to those two buildings that we own. And for the past year and a half, we've been investing significantly, uh, I'd say, you know, upwards, you know, multi-million dollar investment to uh, make those buildings kind of state-of-the-art. You know, we're make, op- making a flexible and open floor plans. We're bringing state-of-the-art technology. Uh, we're adding some new amenities like a cafe over 1010 Pine. Uh, and all of those things, we, you know, we're, we're making the improvements, but uh, combining that with the existing architecture uh, in our designs to, to kind of preserve the, the building's rich history. So uh, we have begun moving employees over really starting at the end of last year. Uh, we've moved about 95% of them to those two buildings, and we expect to have uh, everyone moved by the end of July. And we, are, you know, we need to be out of our building at the, the tower at the end of September. John, when it comes to 1010 Pine, that's a beautiful, incredible building. I know some people were saying they almost wished that uh, you had made the reverse decision because they wanted to live in that building. They wanted it to become residential. What is it like on the inside? Is it as historic and just as cool looking as the outside of the building is? Well, it is. You know, this was built in the 20s, and, you know, the, the lobby is very ornate, a lot of uh, brass and, uh, you know, stonework. It's, it's in marble. It's, it's a beautiful building, and we, we preserved as much of that as we could. Um, you know, the rest of the building, as you can imagine, is 24 floors. Uh, it was, like I said, it's built in the 20s, so it, um, you know, built maybe for office styles in those days. So uh, a lot of the work that we've done over the last couple of years is really kind of opening that up to the what we call Workplace 2020, 
It's more of a collaborative, open workspace for employees, uh, bringing all state-of-the-art technology into that building. And, you know, a, a building like that that has thick walls and things, it's, it's pretty difficult sometimes to get all the technology there that we need. Uh, but, you know, it will be a great place for our employees. Uh, you know, the ones that have already moved have been uh, pleasantly surprised. They, they really like kind of the upgraded uh, technology. Uh, and, you know, you're right, that building is historic in a way. It's a beautiful building, and I'm looking forward to uh, to moving over there next month myself. And when it comes to where you're moving from, I know telecommuting is a big deal these days, and companies from Yahoo to IBM have been in the news recently when it comes to ramping up or dialing down telecommuting. Did that play any role in the decision with 909 Chestnut, the, the large tower, to move out because maybe there just weren't as many people sitting at desks as there traditionally have been? That was a huge factor. I think when you look at um, some of the factors influencing that, it's it, it's that. Uh, we have more people telecommuting, working from home. You know, we are a technology communications company, so it makes sense for us to do that. Uh, also, I think the, uh, you know, the younger employees like a more open, uh, they don't want to get stuck in the cubicle wall, so we've built this where it's more open, more collaborative. Uh, people will share office space, share conference rooms and filing. Uh, so I think all of that lended itself to uh, having less uh, a need for less space. And, you know, quite honestly, over the last several years, you know, we have seen a slight reduction in some of our employees that are in, in Missouri and downtown and actually corporate-wide. And a lot of that just really had to do with the changing environment, changing scope of our business, you know, away from a traditional telephone company into more of an uh, entertainment mobile broadband company. There's traditionally been, the company's had a mark on the St. Louis skyline, whether it's been SBC and the pride of having that headquarters there in the large sign, or even now, you can see those AT&T letters in the globe on that tall building, um, you know, from all around. Is there going to be any signage that goes on either of the other two buildings um, that you're going to be remaining in? Maybe some signage on 1010 Pine that really broadcasts that AT&T still has a big presence in St. Louis? Yes, it is. that's a good question. I love that that high, iconic icon uh, logo that we have. Um, you know, But we will have a, a new corporate AT&T, the Globe, uh, on the uh, south uh, side of 1010 Pine. It'll be you know, probably up around the 22nd, 23rd floor. I think it'll be seen, uh, you know, everything kind of going south. Um, you know, the building on that side, when you look east and west, it really doesn't lend itself really to get that logo up there. But that's the kind of signage we will have on that building. And in both 801 Chestnut and 1010 Pine have uh, logos and, you know, company names at the lower levels at the entrances. And, John, when it comes to, you mentioned uh, the, these other two buildings, you also have a lot of facilities in De Pere, and I even see a new logo on a building, a new AT&T logo on a building in downtown West. Are these employees who are leaving the tower, 909 Chestnut, are any of them going to be leaving the city limits and moving to De Pere? No, at this time, no. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, we were able to retrofit the, and, and upgrade those two buildings at 801 and 1010 Pine so that all the employees that are in the tower uh, will be moving over there. Um, you know, it, we constantly, as, as people maybe move from one job to another, they may move from sales operations that are out in the pair uh, to maybe a job that brings them downtown and vice versa. So we always have some kind of movement, but there's no plans uh, at this time at all to move any employees out of downtown out to our um, St. Louis County locations. And you are such a civic leader, and you're heavily involved in uh, the efforts, you know, to, to boost St. Louis. Uh, AT&T Missouri President John Sondag with us. 
what do you what is the status of downtown? Why is AT&T deciding to stay downtown when other companies maybe necessarily haven't? And even with a, a large empty building that's going to raise the the rate, vacancy rate in downtown, what do you think the the status is of St. Louis's urban core right now? Well, I'm very bullish on uh, the downtown area and the and the urban core. I think if you just went back ten years ago and took a snapshot and looked at where we're at today, uh, I think it's just night and day. Um, you know, there's been a lot of development, a lot more entertainment. Uh, I think a lot more families that are living downtown. It just has kind of a different feel. And I think when you look at some of the things that have been going on with the arch grounds in Keener Plaza, um, I, there's a lot of things, a lot of momentum here that I think our employees really enjoy. You know, I think every city, you know, deals somewhat with, with crime, and we hear that in the media a lot. But, uh, you know, to me, uh, that's something that I, I think I have confidence that the city and, and the new mayor will, will uh, you know, kind of take care of and, and I think address it and 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 uh, you know kind of reduce whatever crime we're seeing. That's not an issue at all for our employees. We've never had any instance in any of our facilities here with any employees or our vehicles. So, I just think um, you know the whole metro region uh, should be very proud and should be very bullish on what the outlook is. We have a lot of things, a lot of momentum going, and I, I I'm glad that we're able to keep our employees downtown and that we're keeping the same level of employment base throughout this metro area. John, thank you. Michael, it's always a pleasure. Thanks. And thank you for joining us this week for this episode of Nothing Impossible. Find the podcast and share it at KMOX.com. I'll see you on Total Information AM tomorrow morning beginning at 5 a.m. And we'll talk more about local tech and innovation next week on Nothing Impossible on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 